Welcome to JU Radio here on Wednesday afternoons. This is the Halakha Hour live on JU Radio. Okay, the numbers to reach us are 718-683-5858. The way to listen in is through the following. You can either listen through the internet and the number, I mean not the number, the website over there is jrootradio.com. Over there you will have live streaming as well. You can watch a video of us uh, giving the class. You can also listen on the phone by calling 712-432-4217. Finally, you can also listen through the JRoot Radio Pro app on your smartphone. What else we have? Okay, the numbers. We also have the numbers to text into the station is 347 927-8398. This is the Halakha Hour, where we discuss Halakha. We try to take Halakhot that are practical. We try to make them practical to clarify a little bit of the background of Halakhot, why we do what we do, and how we do it. Be'ezat Hashem, we are in the middle of the Halakhot of the special season between Pesach and Shabuot. Last week we spoke about a special class regarding the laws of Hamet Shabbat Allah Pesach. What to do with Hametz after Pesach? In fact, we just had a question today of somebody who did not sell his Hametz and they just found a box of crackers. The halakha is, they must get rid of those box of crackers since they were under the Jewish ownership throughout the holiday of Pesach and destroy them that nobody should have a hana'ah from them by either crumbling them, burning them, and or putting some sort of chemicals on them that they should not be able to be eaten, not ra'u'i for even ma'chal kelib. Today's halakhot, will discuss Be'ezat Hashem, an important halakhot, the halakhot of Sefirat Ha'omer, all the laws of had and when we count Sefirat, uh, we count the Omer. Be'ezat Hashem will clarify them. I know that today's halakha, my uh, class, may not be so relevant to women because Sefirat Ha'omer, as we'll soon see, is not to be done by women for a number of reasons, as we'll explain by Zat Hashem, but still, the men who are listening to this, or at least the ladies who, you know, maybe your husband will ask you something about Sefirat Omer, at least you'll know what to answer him. Let's begin the Halakha class on Sefirat Omer. A little bit of a background to the mitzvah. The source of the mitzvah we find in the Torah, in Parashat Emoz, in Sefer Vayikra, the Torah tells us, وَسْفَرْتَيْمْ لَخَيْمْ بِمَحُورَةَ Shabbat. You have to count for yourselves from the day after Shabbat, from the day that you bring the Koban, the special Koban known as Koban Omer, you have to count seven weeks. Now, what does Shabbat mean over here? The normal understanding, the normal translation of Shabbat throughout the whole Sefer Torah, it means the day, the seventh day of the week, as we know Shabbat. However, the Hakamim tell us that in here, when the Torah is talking about, the, the, when the Torah mentions Shabbat, it's referring to the holiday of Pesach, the first day of the holiday of Pesach. So the, the Torah commands us that, Shabbat, from the first day after Pesach, we must begin to count seven weeks. The Torah mentions that these seven weeks, they have to be complete weeks. Don't count whenever you like, you have to count the seven weeks completely. And then later on, the Torah says, in the same paragraph, the Torah says, yom. You have to count 50 days. These are the Pesukim that deal with Sefirat Omer. And therefore, the mitzvah is that we start counting the Omer right after Pesach. The first day is Pesach. 
And right away, the day after Pesach, which is, you know, our day begins at night, as it says in the Pasuk, So we begin on the second night of Pesach, we start to count seven weeks, a total of 49 days. Now you're going to say it says 50 days. And Nachamim explained again that 50 days here doesn't mean you actually count 50 days, but you count up to the 50th day, which is the holiday of Shavuot. Now, there's a big question. Is this mitzvah in our days that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash? Is this mitzvah from the Torah or is this from the Hachamim? Is this a Deoraita or a Rabbanan? And we have to know also what's the difference if it's a right or the Rabbanan. So you might say, what do you mean? I just quoted a Pasuk. If the Pasuk says it, it's in the Humash, it's in Parashat Emor, it should be the right. What's the question? Do, and does anybody say if Tzitzit is the Rabbanan or the right? Tzitzit is the right. It says in the Torah, Vasulahim Tzitzit. So why is there a question here? An answer is that this is really a mahalokit in the Gemara, between Rabbanan Deber Ashi and Amemar. If Sefirat if counting the in our days that we don't have a bit in us, is this Medirabanan or is this Medoraita? What is the reason why there's a mahlokit? If there's a pasuk, an answer is although there's a pasuk, and I understand the people that say it's Deoraita, but still, the pasuk says from the day that you bring the korban. So is this counting dependent on if we bring a korban or not? That's a mahlokit. According to the opinions that say it's Deoraita, counting is a separate mizvah from bringing the Korban. Although we cannot bring the Korban today because we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, what does it have to do with the counting? Counting we can still do. And according to the opinion that say it's Derabanan, they say, no, counting depends on bringing the Korban. And therefore, if you cannot bring the Korban, then you cannot count either Minhatorah. Why do we count? Achamim made it that we shouldn't forget the special mazvah of counting in anticipation of the holiday of Shabbat. This is the Mahlokit in the Gemara, and guess what? The Rishonim also have a Mahlokit. We find that the Rambam, the Reef, and Sefer Hanukh, and a few other Rishonim hold that counting Naomi in our days is Deoraita. However, on the other side, you have the Rosh, the Rashba, the Ran, the Raza. Seems like the tour, although it's not clear. They all hold all that counting the is the Rabbanan. The Shulchan Aruch Maran in Bet Yosef, that is in his commentary to the, to the tour, he writes that counting the is should be the Rabbanan. He quotes the Ran that the majority of the Rishonim hold that Sefirat Omer in our days is only the Rabbanan, and therefore he seems to rule that's also the Rabbanan. Although if you look in the Shohan Aruch, he doesn't mention it at all if counting Naomi is the Rabbanan or the Raita. Now the question is, what in the world is the difference if you hold if Sefirat Omer is the Rabbanan or the Raita? At the end of the day, we're counting, right? And we're counting with the Berachah and we have all the rules that they're not going to change. So who cares if you hold the Rabbanan or the Raita? Now, if I'm going to get reward or not, I'll find out in Shemaim after 120. But how is there a practical difference? And as is, there's a big, big practical difference if you hold that Sefirat Omer is the Rabbanan or the Oraita. Because we know the rule is, the rule is Safek de Oraita lehumra. Whenever I have a doubt in the law, where the law is pertaining to something that's Minha Torah from the Torah, the rule is I have to be stringent. A doubt means I'm not sure to go this way or that way. I have two opinions. One is lenient, one is more stringent. If the subject is the oraita, then I have to be 
stringent. I have to go with the stringent opinion. However, if it's a mezvadir banan, if it's something where the subject is only midir banan, then I could be more lenient. So this is going to be a big difference. In all the areas of Sfirat Omer, whenever we have a safik, as we'll soon see, there's a lot of questions that come up. If we ever have a safik where we have two opinions, one is more lenient, one is more stringent, if you hold that Sfirat Omer is deoraita, so we have to be more stringent. If you hold that Sfirat Omer is banan, we could be a little bit more lenient. We'll see examples of Zat throughout the class. But now we want to know, we follow Shohan Aruch. What is the ruling of the Shohan Aruch? True, in the Beit Yosef, he mentioned that Zidra Banan, but how come Shohan Aruch, he doesn't write it? What does Maran really hold? Does he hold Zidra Banan or Deoraita? Hakam Abdea brings two proofs that Sfirat Omer, according to the Shohan Aruch, is Midra Banan. Number one is, Maran writes that when it's necessary, a person could begin to count Sfirat Omer as early as Ben Hashmashot. We already had a full class on what is Ben Hashmashot. But in short, Ben Hashmashot is the time between the sun setting and the stars coming out. There's a huge mahlokit, how long that time is. Many, many different opinions. But that time, whatever that time may be, whether you hold it's 9 minutes up to uh, 96 minutes, whatever opinion you hold, in Ben Hashmashot, it's a suffix. We're not sure if it's night or if it's day. Maran rules that in Ben Hashmashot, a person is allowed to count the Omer. Now, one second. If you hold Sfirat Omer is really Minha Torah, so how are you allowing the person, the person to count in Ben Hashmashot? Maybe it's really Minha Torah and the person is not Yotze. So let it be a Safik. Safik, it should be Lehumra. You should not be able to count Ben Hashmashot. From the fact that the Shohan Aruch rules that one, when it's necessary, can count in Ben Hashmashot, that's one proof already that Suharuch holds that Sfirat Omer is Midr Banan. Not everybody agrees with this proof, but that's one proof though we could bring. Another proof is when Suhan Aruch rules a very, very interesting halakha. He says if a person had a mind when he's saying the Beracha on Sfirat Omer, he had a mind to count the correct date. However, when he said the, berach, the actual day, he said the wrong day. That means, let's say, he was supposed to count the fourth day. So when he's saying the beracha, he was thinking about counting the fourth day. When he finished the beracha, for some reason he started saying, today is the fifth day of the Omer. So in that case, based of course on another Gemaran Berachot, Maran rules that person is Yosef Avad. Now even though a lot of opinions disagree over here, many opinions hold that in such a case where you said the wrong day, you should not be Yotzeh, even though you had the right Kavanah when you said the Beracha. So the Suhar Aruch rules the way he rules. Clearly he's ruling, even though it's a Safik, there's a Mahlokit. But he's going with the linear opinion that we considered that as if you counted properly. So you see again, if you, the, the counting of Sfirat Omer is Midoraita, Suhar Aruch should have been more stringent. The fact that he was lenient in this area, so you could say that obviously he holds it's dirabanan, safeg dirabanan, lekula, and therefore Maran held that a person's yosei de huba. Okay, that is a little bit of a background. If Sfirat Omer is deoraita or dirabanan, the practical applications we will begin to see as as we continue. There is another important part of the pasuk that has a major effect on the way the halakha is. Pasuk says that the seven weeks that we count for Sifrat Omer have to be temimot. Temimot in Hebrew means complete. 
What does it mean it has to be complete? The Torah doesn't tell us exactly what it means that it means complete. And we have three different ways of explaining the Torah when it says Temimot. We have three ways of explaining it from the Rishonim. First opinion is the opinion of the Bahag and Rabbi Yehuda Egaon. They hold that Temimot means that the whole mitzvah should be complete. What's a mitzvah? You have to count 49 days. If you missed one of those days, you did not fulfill a complete mitzvah. You did 48 days. So therefore, if you missed one day according to the Bahag and Rabbi Hudai, you consider that you interrupted the mitzvah and you cannot continue to count. There's no point of you counting. You missed the mitzvah. Torah says temimot. You did not count properly. That is the opinion of the Bahag Rabbi Hudai. Now you should know that is a minority of opinion. Because the majority of opinions learn temimot in the following way, like the way Rabbi Yonah, the Ri, and Rabbi Hai explain it, which means that each day has to be complete. Don't wait to count till later on. Count it right from the beginning. As early as the day comes in, start counting. Don't wait till the next, till, till the next morning. The night is the beginning of the day in, in the Jewish calendar. Like we mentioned before, Shabbat begins when the night. So right away when the night comes, begin counting. Don't wait till the middle of the night or later on. Why? Complete. Try to count from the beginning so this way you consider that you have the complete day with you. But had you missed one full day according to these opinions, you could still continue counting with a beracha because you messed up on that day. But that day has nothing to do with the next day. Each day, you have another command to count. 49 days, each day, you have another command to count the days, and the, each day should be complete. So if you messed up on one, you can make it up the next day. According to the Ben Utam, he explains as follows. He says, when the Torah says temimot, like the way the Rabbein Yonah and the Ri explain, which means it's going on each day, but he holds like this. If the day consists of two parts. There's the night and then there's the daytime. If you miss counting in the nighttime, then you can't count in the daytime. You missed it. You lost it. It doesn't count anymore for you because it's not Tamim anymore. So therefore, if you're going to, according to Rabbeinu Tam, if a person didn't count at night, it's considered like he already messed up on that day. He can't continue to count anymore. We, Lehalacha, we rule to be lenient in all these cases, mean to say, we combine all the reasons together and we try to be lenient. That means, of course, we should try to count all the 49 days and we should count all the 49 days. And we also try to count from the beginning of the night. And we also count, and we missed one day, we try to count the next day. Basically, any which way that we can be lenient to allow the person to continue counting, we try to do it. However, in a case where it's debated, we tell you to count without a bracha. Meaning, let's start backwards. Rabbeinu Tam holds that you can only count at night. You can't count in the daytime. Let's say a person comes to count in the nighttime, so you make a beracha. If you forgot to count in the nighttime completely, the next day when you come to count, since Rabbeinu Tam says that it doesn't work for you anymore, so we allow you to count, but without a beracha. That's why you'll notice in a lot of shuls, they'll count again the next, whatever that day. Today, for, for example, is the 18th day of the Omer. So the hakamim will so the, the in the shul will say hayom shmona asar yom la omer, but without a beracha. We counted the omer, but without a blessing. Why? Because of the opinion of Ben Utam. According to the Ben Utam, if you miss the night, you can't even count the next day. So we count, but without a beracha. Another way 
we try to be lenient over here, is according to the Bahag, if you missed one day. So let's say you missed the 13th day of the Omer. That's it. You can't continue to count anymore according to the Bahag. You interrupted the Mizvah and it's not considered one full Mizvah anymore. It's not Tamim anymore. So according to the Bahag, if you want to continue counting on the 14th, 15th, you're doing nothing. However, we, we are lenient in this case as well. And we say if a person missed one full day, let's say he missed the 13th day of the Omer, you could continue to count on the 14th, the 15th, etc. The only thing is, again, count without a Beracha. This because you're covered according to the other opinions. That's again being lenient. They allow you to count by being that the Beracha is debatable, so don't make a Beracha. I do want to point out though that there's something called Sfix Fika as we'll learn later on. And based on this rule, if a person forgot to count one full night, the next day, if he remembers to count, we said that you count without Beracha. But that counting without Beracha will allow him to continue to count the rest of the evenings with a Beracha. So just because a person missed the night time, only the night, if he remembers it, he catches himself that day in the daytime, and he does count the correct day, then he's allowed to continue counting the rest of the evenings with a beracha. It's only when a person interrupts a mizvah and he misses one full day, which means night and day, he doesn't count, not in the night and not in the day, then we say the rest of the days of the Omer you count, but without a beracha. Let's get to some practical halachot now. How do we count the Omer? We'll begin. Who is obligated to count the Omer? Men from the age of 13 and above, Ahayab to count Omer. Children under the age of Bar Mitzvah, boys that is, boys under the age of Bar Mitzvah, from the age of Hanukh, it is good to train them to count Omer with the Beracha. They could say even a Beracha because they're ch- kids. Like any Mitzvah, you're training them. So you can allow them to count with the Beracha. Even if they interrupted, they could still count with the Beracha. And it's very, very good and important to train the kids. It's something that's exciting actually. You know, they're counting and they, they should try to feel this accomplishment of counting every night with a blessing, so this way they, they do the mitzvah properly. However, women are not hayab in the mitzvah for two reasons. Number one is because it's mitzvah ta'asheh Any positive command from the Torah, which comes in a specific time, women are usually exempt. So being that Sfirat Omer comes in a specific time, right? It comes between Pesach and Shavuot. And it's a positive command. So women are exempt, which means if a woman wants to count without a Beracha, she cannot do so. Especially according to the Sfaradim. What about if she wants to count but without a Beracha? If she wants to do with the Beracha, we said she cannot do so. But she wants to count now without a Beracha. What's, what's the big deal? She's saying, Could she still count or not? So if we hear the Zohar says, that woman should not count even without a beracha. And that's the way the Kafhaim brings it also. The Mikubalim bring this halakha, this Zohar halakha ma'aseh. A woman should not count Sefirat Ha'omer even without a beracha. However, however, you should know that some Ashkenazim do have a minhag that women do count, but again without a beracha. That's the way I saw it brought down, Pesket Shuvot. And uh, that that's he brings down the name of Rahot Rabbeinu. That's the way they did it in the house of the stapler. Ladies counted with the If you have a minhag, you continue minhag. If you don't have a minhag, or if you're Sfaradi, women should not count Sfirat Omer. Of course, even without a beracha, ladies should not count Sfirat Omer. So the question is now, ladies are already counting. 
Should they stop counting? Well, yeah. If you have, unless you have a specific minhag in your in your family, then you know and double check with that. But if you're Sfaradi, if you want to go according to Kabbalah, you ask me. Women should stop counting. They should not count the Sfirat Umir. Next, there is a question that's brought down. We said children are exempt, right? Children are nahayam counting the Sfirat Umir, but mitzad hinuch we train them, let them count the Umir. Question is, what about if a person turns bar mitzvah in the middle of Sfirat Umir, like myself? Not now, but when I was when I became bar mitzvah, I was in the middle of Sfirat Umir. What is the din? Could that person continue to count with the beracha or not? Do we say that whatever he counted beforehand, since it was done as a child and he was not hayab in mitzvot, so now that he is an adult according to halacha and he's hayab in mitzvot, maybe he should stop counting? Or do you say, no, what do you want from the kid? He counted beforehand, let him continue. So, whatever answer you answer, you're correct because it is a mahlokit. According to Hakam of who brings a few ahronim, including the Priha Aritz, Hidda, Rabhaim Palachi, he says, and I believe Hiddushay Harim as well, he says that since the child was not obligated as a katan, so even though he began the whole Sfirat Omer, Let's say by the 15th day of the Omer, the child becomes Bar Mitzvah. He cannot continue not to count with the Beracha because everything that he counted beforehand is considered like he didn't count. And it's as he's beginning the Mitzvah from new, all, you know, on the 15th day, it's like beginning now. So it's like a person that went to sleep and now woke up. Although it's not his fault, he was sleeping for 15, 14 days. But still, the 15th day, it's considered that he's coming in the middle. And therefore, he continues to count, but without a Beracha. That's the opinion of Hakam Abudan, a lot of these Ahronim. However, the Kafahim and Ola Tzion say that if the kid really was counting, he didn't miss a day, he was really counting, so he never really interrupted, he could continue. It's not, it's not like it's a new counting, he's continuing what he did beforehand. We don't drop whatever he counted until now. He could continue counting even with that. Even with the Beracha, excuse me. The This is the Mahluk in, in the Sfaradim, Hakam and Hida on one side versus Olatzion and Kafaim on the other side. The Ashkenazim, however, like the Harzvi, the Sisilazer, they say that they have a minhag that the child who turns bar mitzvah in the middle of Sfirat Omer, he does count with a beracha. The best way, the best solution to everything is that if a child becomes bar mitzvah in the middle of Sfirat Omer, then he should try to listen to somebody else counting with the beracha and have him in mind. That's the best way. But certainly, I'll tell you like this, whatever opinion you want to hold by, whatever your rabbi holds, you, if you need to be your tzaydeh with the beracha of someone, don't allow that child to be motziyu. Don't allow the child to make a beracha on your behalf. This child that became by mitzvah that year in the middle of Sfirat Omer, even if he has a minhag that he continues to count with the beracha because he did start that way, like the Orletzion or the minhag of the Ashkenazim, if you need to hear the beracha of Sfirat Omer, do not listen, do not allow, allow the child to be motziyu. We can take a few calls right now. Hello? Yeah, is an eye on the ear? I cannot, you're on the air. If you want to call, call a little bit after the show. After 3 o'clock, you'll be off the air. Uh, what's the number? The same number that you called. Um, so, um, after the hour? After 3 o'clock, yeah, I'll be around. You could call off the air. Okay, thank you for calling. Let's come back now. Next halakha, next group of halakha, or subject that we need to discuss is when to count Sfirat Omer.
We mentioned beforehand that Maran rules that after Ben Asrashot, if it's necessary, a person could already begin counting Sfirat Omer. Now, what is the best way? Maran writes, Hamidakdekim. The people who are careful in their mitzvot or very precise in doing the mitzvot, they don't count Omer until Seta Kochabim. So, we, we gave a class once on Seta Kochabim, what's considered Seta Kochabim. And it's very, very complicated because there are so many opinions what's considered Seta Kochabim. So now, keep in mind that Sefirat Omer is also Midrabanan. So you can be a little bit more lenient. It's not like, for example, Motzei Shabbat. Motzei Shabbat, Shabbat itself is the Uraita. If a person is going to put on fire on Motzei Shabbat, Lekatala, you should wait as long as you can to cover all opinions because it's the Uraita, Safek Uraita, So a lot of people are no hake to wait the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam, which is 72 minutes after sunset. Why? Because it's the Uraita. Over here, it's the Rabbanan. Safek Darbanalikulai can be lenient, but at the same time, if you want to wait till much later, maybe you're not doing Temimot. So there is a discrepancy in when, when's, when's the best time to begin counting these different opinions. I'll bring you three opinions. Number one is the opinion of Hakam Bantion. He holds, based on a whole uh, uh, theory, not theory, but Svarada uh, he has. In general, of one when the next day begins, he holds a person between 25 to 27 minutes after Shekiah, after sunset, you can already begin counting Sfirat Omer. Hamriya holds 13 and a half minutes. It's Drabanan. You, you, you should go with the opinion of the Geonim. 13 and a half minutes right after sunset, a person should already count Sfirat Omer. If a person, however, does everything like Rabbi Nutam, what does mean everything about time? Not only does he wait to Motzei Shabbat 72 minutes until he does the Melacha, but also he will wait from fasting or from breaking his fast, even of Shabbat Sabbat Tammuz, like Rabbeinu Tam, 72 minutes afterwards. Everything that he does, he holds like Rabbeinu Tam, so therefore he could also count after 72 minutes. But, which means if person, it's very, very necessary for a person then a person could technically count right after sunset. After sunset, Ben Nashmashot begins, and a person could technically count over there the, the Omer. That's Ma'ikar ad-Din. When does a person have to rely on this opinion? In the case of a Minyan. If a person's in the Minyan, the Minyan itself should count even though they finished before 13 and a half minutes, as long as they finished after sunset, they should count. The reason for this is that in the minyan, you never know who's there. And people forget. When everybody's all together, they remember and they remind each other. A lot of times people say, yeah, I remember. I remember when I get home. And they'll forget. Some people may have some alarms to remind them, but not everybody has. And if it's Friday night, then kalva homer benoshel kalva homer. You should count. Even though it's early. Why? Because Friday night, most people don't have alarms. And most people do forget. Many times people forget on Friday night. Not only that, we're going to learn soon that a person is not allowed to begin a meal until he counts the Omer. So therefore, if you're praying in the Minyan, the Minyan itself should count. If you want to be Mahmir on yourself, you yourself want to wait until the best time to count, fine, you yourself. But the Minyan itself, if they finish after sunset, even though it's still in Ben Hashmashot, they should count. So at least the people there are covered. So Haruch does bring in a case where a person is praying in a minyan, and he doesn't want to count early. He doesn't want to count in Ben Asmashot right after Shekiah. He wants to wait until the best time. 
So in that case, Shoharuk says you can make a condition. What's a condition? If you're scared that maybe by if you by the time you get home and the time does really come, you're gonna forget yourself. So Shoharuk says what you could do is as follows: count with the minyan right now and say the following before you count. I'm gonna count with them without a beracha. When I get home, if I do remember the time which is seta kochabim to count, I'm going to count then with the beracha, and whatever I counted now with the minyan should be considered like it's nothing. It's milim ba'alma. I don't want to be yotze with it. However, in case I forget myself, and I get home, and I forget to count svirat ta'omer in the right time, and I forget completely, so let this counting that I counted now, even though it's without beracha, let it count as though, as though I, I, I did the mitzvah. This is the condition of the shohan aruch. Basically, you're making condition that you want to be Yotzei de Hubad, the counting with the Minyan, that you counted without a Beracha, only if you forget later on. And you can do this condition. You could only not be Yotzei, you could only be Yotzei if, some, if you have intention to be Yotzei, or if you don't have any intention, whether to be Yotzei or not to be Yotzei. But if you have clear intention that you don't want to be Yotzei with the words that you're saying, so you cannot be, you don't have to be Yotzei. And that condition is good to do in general, on the Friday night. Again, Friday nights is a time when most people forget to count Omer because there are no reminders, there is no alarm, and they want to begin the meal, they don't want to wait so long. So it's good to always, if you finish Minyan on Friday night, with if you finish your Arbit in the Minyan that's concluded after Shekiah, it's good to always count, whether you want to count with the condition or without a condition, fully with the Beracha, a person should not... Uh, be too li- uh, too mahmir over there, lest you forget. What about the latest time to count? When is the latest time for a person to count Sfirat Omer? If you want to count with the Beracha, the latest time is Alot Shahar. Don't. You cannot count after Alot Shahar with the Beracha. If, however, you forgot the full night, you want to count on the day, then you can count, but without a Beracha. The latest time is after, once the next day comes, which means after Ben Hashemashot. Now, here is the case. Let's say a person remembers by Ben Hashemashot. It's after sunset, and he's in shul, and they finish our beat. It's before already 13 and a half minutes, and the minyan is about to count the and he remembers that I didn't count the the full day yesterday, not at night and not in the daytime. What's a din? So remember we said that Sfirat Omer is Dera Banan. So there's a mahlokit of Ben Hashemashot. What is the this time of Ben Hashemashot, which is between sunset and the three stars, what halachic status does it have? Is it considered that it's part of the previous day, or is it considered part of the following night? If it's part of the previous day, then you can still count. But if it's part of the next night, then you can't count. So being that the counting of the Omer in our days is Dirabanan, one can be lenient, and during that Ben Hashemashot, you could still count from the day before. And however, don't count with the Beracha. Why? Because, remember, whenever we have a Mahlokit regarding the Beracha, we don't say the Beracha, we just do the Mitzvah. Here, do the Mitzvah, because according to the opinions that it's still Ben Hashemashot, part of the day beforehand, you could still count yesterday's counting. And then, wait till Seta Kochabim, wait until the next evening, and then you could count already the next evening's counting with a beracha. And Saka said they interrupted the mezvah of Sfirat Omer. It's a good point though, all the poskim bring down, that being that you use Na'a Ben Hashemashot to count the previous day, so 
it's kind of like you your posek halacha that ben esbasor really belongs from the day beforehand. So it's good for you in general if you came into such a situation that whenever you come to count Sfirat Omer, you should not count the Ben Hashmashot, you should wait until Tzete Kochabim, because you already kind of like ruled on yourself that this time period of Ben Hashmashot belongs to the previous day. Here's a question. Is it better to count earlier without a Minyan? Or is it better to wait for a Minyan, but the Minyan will begin later on? Lemashal. Person prays every single night. He goes to night seder. He goes to learn at nights. He has a class from nine to ten. And at ten they pray arbit. By the time they finish arbit, it'll be ten fifteen. Now the best time to really count is about like we said beforehand, is about thirty minutes, 25, 30 minutes, thirty five minutes after sunset. But that will be around let's say eight eight thirty, depending on the season, on the weather, whatever it may be. So ten fifteen is much later. Then we say temimot. You should try to make it as early as possible. And anyway, it's derabanan. So what should a person do? Should he count in the best time, which is earlier, at 8.20, 8.30? Or should he wait to do Berob Am Hadrat Melech with the Tzibur? And this way, he'll do it over there, but it's going to be later on in the, in the evening. It's going to be around 10.15, about two hours later on. So there's a Mahalokit on this. Acham Ben holds that the counting earlier is better because you mekayem part of the Mizah called Temimut. Temimoti yena, which means, like we said, it has to be complete, begin from as early as possible. That overrides the counting that's done, berob'am, that's done with a minyan. However, Shevet Alevi, Igrot Moshe, and Minhat Yishak all hold that it's better to wait for a minyan. Why? Because the minyan is tadir, and that should always, you always pray Arbit every night. Sfirat Omer, you only do 49 days out of the year. Also, when you do it together with the minyan, you know you're not going to forget. But sometimes if you're doing it on your own, you might forget. And you have, of course, the advantage of Rabahami doing it together with a full minyan. It's much better. So again, it's a mahlokit. Personally, I try to count as early as possible because of temimot. But those who want to wait to count till later on with the minyan, you certainly have big guns that hold they can count later on with the minyan. A few pointers when we come to counting Sfirat Omer. When a person is counting Sfirat Omer, he has to make a beracha and he has to count. Both the beracha and counting should be done standing up. Why? The Gemara learns from the Pesukim that counting the Omer, fulfilling the Mizah of the Omer has to be done standing up. Like putting on the Talit. A person is putting on Talit in the morning has to be done standing up. The Gemara learns it from Pesukim. Likewise, over here, since you're coming to fulfill the Mizvah, you should be standing up. Of course, if you're sick, you're in bed, you have a flu, and you want to count, or if you're an elderly person and you can't stand up, you don't have to force yourself to stand up if you really can't. So even though it's a very short time, you could count sitting down. But otherwise, a person should stand up when he's counting Naomir. We mentioned before that there are minhagim in a lot of shuls that they'll count Naomir again in the daytime in case people forgot. And a lot of people are counting in the daytime because they might have forgotten from the night beforehand. So if you're not sure if you counted the night beforehand or not, and you're counting with the minyan in the morning, make sure you stand up. This applies certainly if a person forgot to count the omer the night beforehand. If a person forgot to count the, the omer in the evening, and now he remembers in the daytime, 
Also, you have to stand up and count Omer. Even though you're not saying Berachah, it doesn't have to do anything with the Berachah. The mitzvah of counting Omer has to be done standing up. Another pointer when you're saying, when you're counting the Omer, when you say the Berachah, you should know which day it is. Mean to say, don't just say the Omer, I mean, excuse me, don't just say the Berachah and then figure out which day it is. You should first know which day it is and then make the Berachah with the kavana that you're going to count that specific day. Let's take the mashal. Let's take the 14th day of the Omer. Don't say the bracha and then start thinking, what's today? Was yesterday 13 or 12? And today is really 14 or 15? No, that's not the right way to do it. The correct way to do it is beforehand figure out what day it is. Figure out that's the 14th. And then make the bracha with the intention that you're about to count the 14th and then actually express it with your mouth and say, Hayom yom la'omir. This is the preferable way. If a person mixed it up, again, a person didn't know, of course, but the abad works. And now we come to another halakha, but this is probably the uh, most important halakha, not the most important, really, but the very, very practical dilemma that comes up for Sfirat Omer. There's a halakha that the Ramah brings down, which is a general halakha by any mitzvah. The Gemara Masech Megillah tells us that a lot of mitzvot that could only be performed in the day, and a lot of mitzvot that could only be performed in an evening. The ones in the day we know, like Brit Milah, Shofar, um, Lulab, Etrog, etc. The other mitzvot that could only be performed in the evening, one of them is the counting of the Omer, Sefirat Omer. It could only be done in the evening. So the rule is, that any time that you have a mitzvah that's, that you have to do in the evening, you cannot begin a sa'uda, you cannot begin to eat a meal when the time of the mitzvah comes, and not only when the time of the mitzvah comes, but even a half an hour before the time of the mitzvah, the, the, the mitzvah comes. We find this by Kriyat Shema. Kriyat Shema, we have a mitzvah to read in the evening and in the daytime. Once the time, night time comes, if you didn't read Kriyat Shema in your man, you have to read Kriyat Shema in the evening. You're not allowed to begin with bread. And the bread has to be more than two ounces. More than a kibitzah. Up to a kibitzah, you're allowed to have. But more, you're not allowed to have. Any other food, by the way, any meal that doesn't have bread, you're allowed to eat. We found this by Kriyat Shema. We find this also by, we just had this recently, by Bedigat Hametz. When the time comes that a person has to be Bodek Hametz, has to check his Hametz you're not allowed to begin a meal or any melacha. Why? Because we're scared that you're going to forget. You might get carried away with your meal or the melacha that you want to do and you're going to forget about the mitzvah. So because of the reason, the, the Ramah writes, a person is not allowed to begin a meal a half an hour before counting. Question is, what's considered the earliest time? What's considered counting? When is his man that person counts? Does it go by when he personally counts every evening? Which means, let's say his minyan he always prays in the 10 o'clock minyan, so therefore he cannot eat 9.30. Or does it go by the time that person is able to count? Also, does it go by the time that person is able to count din, which means the earliest time if it's necessary, or like the way the Shohan Aruch rules, which is Hamidakdekim, the per- people who are careful to always count, but Setakokhabim. So on this we have a mahlokit. According to the Mishnah Berurah, the half an hour that person, the half an hour before counting, which was when a person be- cannot begin his meal, begins from 
Tzeta Kochabim. I mean, half an hour before Tzeta Kochabim. Which means, let's say Tzeta Kochabim is 8.30. That's the best time to count. So from 8 o'clock, you can count. You can begin a meal. Even though Shekah might be before or afterwards, half an hour from when Tzeta Kochabim is. That's the opinion of the Mishabura. However, the Kafahayim, quoting the Graz, the Shohan Aruch Arav, Balatanya, and Hakam Abadia as well, they hold that a half an hour before sunset, a person cannot begin a meal. Why? Because technically, after sunset, the person could already begin counting. So therefore, according to them, half an hour beforehand, a person cannot begin a meal with bread if the bread is going to be more than a kibitza. And this makes big problems. Because a lot of people in the summer like to pray Friday night early. And they're praying a little bit earlier. Sometimes the minyan finishes before Ben Hashmashot, before sunset. And by the time they get home, it's already after sunset. And it could very well be within a half an hour to beginning their meal. So what do you do in that case? So like we said beforehand, if you have the chance to count, which means it's after sunset, you should count. If you want to be from the Mindak Dekim, so you want to wait it out, so okay, wait it out. But technically, if you want to count, you can count already right away. If you're, however, you're within the half an hour of counting and you can begin the meal, you can't count either for whatever reason it may be. So technically, you're supposed to wait until you count so you can eat. But we find a heter that's found in the Mishnah called Kriyat Shamash. Once upon a time, when they used to live in small towns, so the Shamosh, which is the Gabai of the Shul, would walk around from house to house reminding everybody to count the Omer. So if the whole reason why we can't begin a meal is because maybe we're going to forget. Maybe we're going to forget about counting the Omer. Here we have the Shamash. We have the Gabai who is walking around reminding everybody so we can begin the meal. So based on that, some post can bring down. You could also put an alarm clock. If you, you want to put an alarm clock to remind yourself that you should count when the time of Svirat Omer comes, so then you can also begin the meal. Why? Because you're reminded. You have a reminder. It's like the Shamash. But on the condition. You must count right away when the alarm rings. You can't snooze it. On Friday night, of course you can't snooze it. But when the alarm rings, you must get up right away, interrupt the meal, and count right away. Another solution, another solution is that you could begin your meal so early. How is that so? Pray really early on Friday night. And this way, by the time you come home, you could be lenient in this case. If you come home before the half an hour, before Shekia, before sunset, and according to some post scheme, Kiddush is considered part of the meal already. It's a little kasher, but there are some post schemes that are material. So therefore, you can begin right away. Also, you can begin the Kiddush and go right away. If you see, by the way, that you began Kiddush, and after Kiddush, you could count the Omer, you should count the Omer then. Why? Because it's already the Zman, and it's better to count the Omer, even though you began Kiddush, it's better to count the Omer before you actually begin the actual meal. And finally, if a person is not planning to have so much bread, he's only eating up to a Kibetzah of bread, so there is no problem. So if you're only planning to have two ounces of bread or less, so there's no problem to begin a meal. Like we said beforehand, this suit is only if you're eating a meal of that, that contains bread more than two ounces. Next. We come now to the final part of this class where we have special cases 
or what to do when counting the Omer. It happens that people travel from America to China, and because they're traveling from America to China, they cross the IDL, which is the international dateline, and by the time they land in China, they find that already a full day has gone by without them realizing. So, what is the halakha in such a case? In order to explain this halakha, we really have to give a little bit of a background of this concept, of this, of this IDL, the International Dateline, which is known in Hebrew as Kavata Arikh. Basically, the world we know is round. Right? It's a ball. And any round figure has, if you, you know, mathematically, when you break it up, it's a full circle, it's 360 degrees. You make one full circle from the point that you started till you get all the way back around to the same point, it's 360 degrees. Halfway is 180 degrees, right? That's when they say somebody turned around all the way, that means 180, they say he turned 180 degrees around. That means he turned around full halfway. If a person's making a full circle, that's 360 degrees. The world is 360 degrees, and the, that world spins, and as it spins, the sun now will shine in different parts. It will start to rise in different parts of the world. Every 15 degrees on the globe is another time zone. 360 divided by 15, you'll get to 24. In 24 hours, the sun will, quote-unquote, rise in all parts of the world. Now, obviously... If it's rising for us here in New York, it ha- the sun didn't rise yet for the people in Chicago. And it certainly didn't rise for the people all the way in the end of America, which is in California. Three hours after we had sunrise, then they'll have sunrise in California. Likewise, in the middle of the day. When we come to the middle of the day, let's say it's 1 p.m., that's Hatzot, right? When we come to the middle of the day, or 12, whatever, 1 p.m., It's midday by us, but still 9 a.m. for the people in California. Only three hours later, as the ball of the earth turns, then they'll get to that midday. So basically, as I'm traveling from east to west, from New York towards California, from the the eastern part of the, the U.S. to the western part of the U.S., I'm traveling against the sun, against where the sun is rising. So it keeps on getting darker and darker. I keep on going back an hour and hour. If I keep, if I travel the whole way around the, the earth, do I come back to the same point? Why is it backwards? Why don't I say that really where I travel backwards, that means if I'm traveling from east to west, that that is really the night. I mean to say, even though I had daytime over here, who, who's to say that... M- I began the day. Maybe over there they're finishing the day. Meaning, if I'm going back, is it Wednesday? Let's say, let's take an example like this. Today is Wednesday. So, on Wednesday, if I travel towards the west, and for me right now, it's sunlight. It's daylight. It's Wednesday day. If I travel towards the west, and they still have nighttime, is it Tuesday night, where Wednesday didn't come yet? Or is it Wednesday evening? And I didn't experience Wednesday. I'm experiencing Wednesday, but they already experienced Wednesday. There's got to be a cutoff line when we say that the day switches from here to there. So that cutoff line is what's known in Hebrew as Kavata Arich, or what's known in the secular world as the international date line. 
This is not a new theory. This is something already the Kuzari brings in the Sefer. That's an old, old discussion already from the Rishonim that there's got to be a point in the world that we all have to agree that the day begins from there. That anything towards the east is already the next day and anything towards the west is already... And that any yeah, it already has experienced that day. The international dateline, the world goes by the 180 degree mark. Which you ever see the picture, you know, if you ever see a flat picture of the earth, not the round ball, but you'll see that China's toward, you know, on the right hand, the picture of China and Australia is all the way on the right, and the picture of the United States with Alaska is all the way on the left. That's the international dateline. That's the 180 degree line. And that's the way it works. If you were to travel from Alaska on, let's say, Wednesday afternoon, and you're to cross the international dateline, you'll find yourself already at Thursday in China, or Russia, or whatever that, over there. So that happens now when you're traveling from America towards China, you're going in the direction of the, you're going west, and as you keep on going west, you technically you end up in the east, right? So you're going that direction, and you end up going past California, past Alaska, past the international dateline, and you find yourself already on the following day. And sometimes, by the time you land there, a full 24 hours has passed by, or at least according to their time. So if you're traveling on Wednesday, you get there already Friday. What happened to Thursday? You missed it as you crossed the international dateline. So now, throughout the year, okay, it's not a big deal. We just tell you, do whatever country you're in, you follow where they, where they are. So if they're up to Shabbat, even though on your phone, which hasn't reset itself on your calendar, it's really Friday, doesn't make a difference. You're going to follow Shabbat according to them, wherever you are. But now, what do we do with Sfirat HaOmer? Sfirat HaOmer, you have to count 49 days. And if you're flying on the 20th day, and by the time you land there, it's the 22nd day, what happened to the 21st day? You counted the 20th day, but by the time you got there, you didn't have a chance even to count the 21st day. What do you do? Do you lose out on it? Coming from China to America is not a problem because you gained an extra day. But going back from the 20th to, the, you know, going to China and where you're going to miss one full day, what will be the dean then? So if you're not missing a day, although you're missing the evening, we already said you can count that day. Meaning, if you're traveling on the 20th day of the Omer and by the time you got to China, it's the 21st day, but it's before sunset. So right away, count the 21st day without a beracha, And then that following evening, you can already count with them, even though it's an hour or two later, you can count with them over there in China, you can count with them the 22nd day. However, Rav Shlomo Zaman Al-Bakh rules, that if you, by the time you got to China, you already missed that 21st day of the Omer, so you lost it. Even though technically you were on, you know, you were, you were fine. You made sure to count personally the right days, Still, since you, by the time you landed there, according to their calendar, you missed that full day, you could continue counting, but without a beracha. Even if you come back to America and you have that extra day, let's say now, 10 days later, on the 30th day of the Omer, you come back to America and you land, it's already the 29th day, it doesn't make a difference, you already missed it, you cannot continue with the beracha. This is the ruling of Shlomo Zamar Orbach. There are others she taught that are brought down of how a person should deal with this, but everybody agrees, don't try to avoid traveling during Sefirat Omer. It's really, really complicated. Even to explain it is complicated. The Kavahom the Halakha. So therefore, try to avoid it. If you cannot avoid it, and you have to travel, 
Then we gave you the Shita of Rav Solomon Zaman Orbach, which is kind of like more the, I believe, more the middle way. The others should talk a little bit. I don't understand them so clear in their consistency. If you want to, you can call after the show and we'll explain to you those other thought. Another question that we have is based on the Hidda. The Hidda writes that anybody who travel, anybody who misses a day of Svirat Omer, then the Berachot that he said previously meaning he counted the first 20 days with the Berachah, he's fine. On the 21st day, he missed it. Now the 22nd day, oh, he forgot, so he, of course, we say, continue without a berakha. What happened to the 20 berakha that he said earlier? According to the, the hidda, it's berakha libatala. That's a major hadush that the hidda has. However, other people disagree. The question though comes up, what if a person has to go through a situation when he cannot count the omir? He has to go under the knife, he's going to have surgery, and the doctor is going to knock him out for... A 48-hour period. He's not going to count. Two days he's going to miss. What would be the deen then? Is he allowed to count from the beginning? He already has his surgery scheduled from Hanukkah. He knows that in Sefirat Omer he's going to have the surgery ta- you know, take place then. Is he allowed to count the first 20 days before his surgery? Even though he knows he's going to interrupt it, he's not going to be able to continue afterwards or not? And the post, based on this hadith, I should say, it's going to be Brachal Batal Hazil count. However, majority of poskim bring down, almost all the poskim that I saw, that a person is allowed to count the first 20 days with the Beracha, and his Beracha is not going to be Brachal Batal. First of all, even though the surgery is supposed to take place or it's scheduled for the 21st day of the Omer, who says that it's going to actually take place? It's not always 100%. Maybe something will, you know, something will happen. Maybe he'll be healed. Maybe he won't need it. Or even if he needs it, it, might be rescheduled for a later time. So you never know. So why should you lose out? Also, in general, we always look. They bring the ritva in the Chod Nitlat Yadayim. When it comes to Nitlat Yadayim, if a person is going to have two ounces of bread or more, so he makes Nitlat Yadayim for bread and he makes a bracha on it. If he's planning to have between one to two ounces, but he's not going to have two ounces, then he makes Nitlat Yadayim but without a bracha. Let's say a person was planning to eat five ounces of bread. He made netilat yadayim and he made the bracha netilat yadayim. He comes to eat and all of a sudden he sees saudah shirishit and everybody took the bread. All he's left with is one kezayit of bread. Was this bracha lebatala? And the answer is no. Because at the time when he made the bracha of netilat yadayim, he was planning to have two ounces. It's not his fault now that something came up and he's not able to have the two ounces. Likewise over here, he's planning to say the full sefirat haomer. And we go by the moment, right now he's obligated, so we go by the moment he says Sefirat Omer with the Berakha. Even though later on he knows he's going to interrupt it, he can still count Sefirat Omer with a Berakha. This is the last subject we're going to speak about by Sefirat Omer. We'll now finish the show, the class. We, If anybody has questions, you can call up the station at 718-683-5858. Next week, Bezatim, we're going to have a special class. We're going to talk about the Menhagim, during the days of Sfirat Omer, plus the subject of Kemah Yashan. I know this is a subject that many people are interested to find out about it. What is Kemah Yashan? When is it relevant? Uh, what is the dinim? If you hold, you don't hold. Do you have to hold Kemah Yashan or not? That will be Mazat Shem next week on Wednesday between 2 to 3 p.m.
Anybody who would like to call in or text in, the numbers are 718-683-5858. The text is 347-927-8398. This class will be aired on again tonight in the evening on J-Root Radio at 11 p.m. Until next week, have a wonderful week. Shabbat Shalom. And we'll see you next week. And thank you, Tehran, and whole J-Root Radio staff.